in this new series we started last week called It's Only a Phase. It's Only a Phase. And we're talking about the phases that God allows you to go through. And some of these phases makes no sense. Last week we talked about the phase of uncertainty, why God allows uncertainty in your life. And this morning we're going to talk about another phase that I believe is one of the hardest tests that the Lord is going to put you through. You guys ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, get excited. I hope you're just as happy after service. Oh man, I know. 1 Kings chapter 17, 8. The Word of God says, 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. The Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow. You've got to understand this. Notice what he says to Elijah. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called her, and Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Notice she declared death upon her life. My son and I will die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. We all just say first. There's the test. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Isn't God great? Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Use me, Lord, to speak truth to your people today as we gather together in your church. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn and apply this to our lives and help us to understand what phase is this all about in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we talk about it's just a phase. I want to speak to you this morning on an interesting phase, number two, that God will put you through. And some of you are in it right now. And it's the phase of few. The phase of few. It's in life when things are happening, but they're just little. In this phase... It seems like God is doing very little in your life. How many of you can feel like that sometimes? God is doing very little. Thanks for your honesty, Chris. So God says, sometimes I put you through this phase where it seems like I'm doing very little in your life. And it seems like you have very little. And it seems like I'm doing very little to help you. And I'm doing very little to get you out. And sometimes in life, before God can do much, He puts you through the phase of few. Because it's in this phase of few that I believe character is developed. It's in this phase of just enough and little and not enough or insignificant that I believe God begins to test your loyalty to Him, your faithfulness, and your obedience. See, God wants to do great things in your life, and God plans big things, and I believe that. And all of us want God to do the big things and give us the big things and the greater things in life. But oftentimes, many times, God will not be able to do much until you pass the test of little. And you pass the test of few. 
And we tend to think that when God does something big in someone else's life, it feels like God just did it for them overnight. And they just woke up and God gave them everything. You know, people ask me all the time, Pastor, how did you get your calling to ministry? Let me explain to you that the calling on my life for ministry was not something I knew as an early child. I, I meet pastor friends of mine that said, I knew when I was in preschool I was called. I said, what? Preschool? But it wasn't until I was in college that I felt a call in my life for ministry. But you know how that calling came about? Someone asked me, hey, would you teach a Sunday school class? Because we have no one left. And we thought about you, meaning you are a last resort. And I don't know why. I never taught a Sunday school in my life. I didn't even like people that much. But I said yes. And when I taught that Sunday school, I wish I can tell you, it was the best Sunday school ever. I wish I can tell you that a hundred people got saved. But the truth is, in that little closet of a church, it was literally a closet. You remember, where's Danny? He'll tell you. It was in an attic that had a closet. You know an attic that had a closet? So it was a room within a room inside a room. And in this classroom, there was two people. And one of them was my twin brother. I don't even think that counts. And for months, I taught this small Sunday school class faithfully with two people. And you think, why would God do that to you, Pastor? Why would God just put you in this little closet, within this little room, in this little church to teach just a few people? It's because in that closet, teaching just two people, I realized that the Lord had given me a calling. And it was there that I fell in love with the Word of God. It was there that I thought it was amazing how you can see the scriptures clearly and apply it to someone's life and see their life change. And as the class began to grow, it was there that I realized that God had a call on my life and I left everything to pursue it. But see, God first has to put you in this place of little where it doesn't seem like much. And it seems like it's not important, but if you can just be faithful to where God has placed you, no matter what it looks like, no matter how small it may be, if you can know without a doubt that's where God has you, and be faithful and loyal and put all the effort in, God can do something bigger with the little you have right now. That's what God says. See, in the scriptures, we see this lady who doesn't have much. She's a widow. And the Bible says that she tells Elijah, as the violin is playing, I have nothing, just a little oil and just a little flour. And she's pointing out all the little things in her life that aren't enough. I wonder if that's what you do lately to God. This is not enough. I want more. This is not enough. I want more. I want more money. I want more friends. I want more popularity. I want more followers. I want this. I want more. God, it's not enough. She's telling Elijah, all I have is little. You see, she's so focused on what she does not have that she has forgotten what she does have. And what she has is enough for God to do something big. See, we have so many people today in our society who are miserable, I believe, because they're ungrateful. We're so caught up in where we're not yet and what we don't have and what's not enough that we have forgotten the things we do have and the grace we do have and how good God has been to us right now. It may not seem like it's enough for you, but the fact that God has placed you there is for a reason. 
So this woman, she doesn't have enough. And she's telling Elijah, all I have is few. All I have is few. Just a few. Elijah said, go with that. Let me tell you what Elijah tells her. Work with what you have. Make it work. Come on, tell your neighbor, make it work. Oh, I know it's not enough. I I know you don't like it. Make it work. You'll be surprised how when God puts you in the test of few, it's because there's something He wants you to do. Just a few. That that word few is actually a Hebrew word that's numeric. It's the number two. She says, I'm gathering a few sticks. She she literally tells Elijah, I'm gathering two sticks. My hands. And that broke my heart because the size of your fire. She was gathering sticks to make a fire to make the meal. And the fact that she was carrying just two sticks meant that she was expecting a small meal. In other words, the size of your fire determined your expectation for the meal. So if it would have been a bundle of sticks, numerous sticks, she would have been prepared for a large meal that God was about to do. But see, she was only preparing for little because she had little, meaning that she was basing her expectation on her present situation. And maybe today, like this widow, you have small expectations because of the small you have now. But see, what this widow didn't know was that God was getting ready to give her more an abundance overflowing that she would have not even been prepared for. You see, because while you have a small mindset, you're serving a big God. And God wants to do something big, but you're limited in your thinking. And you're small. So she wasn't expecting much. And some of you, you have faith and you love God. But I believe there's a lot of us here because of our situation and how insignificant it may look right now. Your expectations of God are small. And you think that God is not going to do much with your life. And you say, why? Well, because look at what my life looks like now. So maybe like this widow, you have small expectations while serving a big God. She's afraid. She's discouraged. She's hopeless. Not knowing. Just the face. The face of few. This trouble that you're in, it's just a phase. But see, she thought it was a death sentence. She said, I'm preparing my meal to die. And some of you think right now, you have declared a death sentence over your destiny, over your life, and your future, and your dreams. But it's not over till God says it's over. And you're saying, oh, I'm just going to die. I'm not going to make it. But she had no idea that in just a few days, she would be one of the wealthiest people during this famine. How God can just flip your circumstances. 
But you have to be willing to be faithful in the few. I wonder how many of you came to church with just little sticks. Nothing much is going to happen of me. God's not going to do much. How would I ever be rich? I don't even have a dollar in my pocket. How would God ever turn this around? It's never changed. But see, this woman didn't know. It's just a phase. This time of trouble, it's just a phase. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul tells the church who's going through a lot. We've been there as a church. We've gone through a lot. But Paul says, our present troubles are what? Are small. Does it feel like that? You're like, no. I would disagree with Paul if he knew my situation. He wouldn't call it small. But he said, our present troubles small. Maybe this verse angers you a little because it does me sometimes. Because I say, how is it that God sees my problems? Small. No one in their right mind goes through something big and says, ah, it's small. You lost your job, ah, it's small. You, there's cancer in your body, ah, it's small. No biggie. Car's breaking down, no way to fix it. You don't know how you're going to fix it. Small. Wife, husband just left you, small. Kids are crazy, small. How mad would you get? If you come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going through a big problem. You tell me everything with tears. And I just say, small. How can Paul say our troubles are small? And the answer is here. He says, our troubles are small and they won't what? Last long. For you who have accepted this lie from the enemy, that what you're going through is forever. God doesn't lie. You're not going to be where you're at forever. You're not. That's why God says it's small. And you say, well, how can I see it as small? Because in comparison, notice it says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all. So God says, in comparison to what I'm going to do in your life, what you're going through right now is small. In comparison to the blessing you're going to get out of it. But see, Paul says here in the word of God, it won't last long. So Paul literally says, your troubles are small, and it's just a face. Come on, say it to your neighbor one more time. It's just a face. For you who believe it's forever, it's just a face. Because maybe like this widow, you're in the face of few. And it's shameful and it's embarrassing when you're in the season of few. Some of us have few friends. Can I get a witness? You're happy with a cat. That's cool. Some some parents are discouraged because their kids call them just a few times a month or if that. Some of you are getting few hours of sleep. Very few of you can't even remember the last time you laughed and had joy in your life. Some of you trust very few because you've been hurt so much. You have few expectations. See, the season of few is a phase 
that is so difficult for us to endure. And it's in this season of few that you think that God has forgotten you and He's never going to do much. She expected little because she had little. Not realizing that she was serving a big God who does big things with little. Who does miracles with few. Who does the impossible with the insignificant. You read the Bible and the people that did big things started with few. You think about David and the big destiny God had for him started when he threw a little rock at a big giant with just a few stones in his pocket. Doesn't seem like much, but it was enough to launch him into his destiny. You think about Samson who defeated so many armies and one of the biggest armies was defeated by a small jawbone of a donkey. You think about how God just was amazed at this woman who gave a few pennies. Or how Jesus fed thousands with a few fish and loaves. How Peter's life was transformed. And how his destiny changed and he got his calling all when he was obedient when Jesus said, go out a little further, a little more. And Peter could have said, it's just a little more. I doubt I'm going to catch fish this way. But just because he was faithful and doing it a little more, God blessed him. The word of God says that the nation of Israel were few in number, 70. So they turned to millions. The ministry of Jesus. Jesus himself described it as a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He was first talking about his ministry. It's small. In fact, in today's world, we would have called the ministry of Jesus Christ a failure. Because he only had 12 followers and one of them left. And not a lot of people follow Jesus during his three years of ministry. Today, our life, in this life, we would have said to Jesus, quit the ministry. You are not called. Look at the small numbers you're drawing up. You have lost it. Quit now. But Jesus said, it's just a mustard seed that will grow. How are you looking at your life? Are you like this widow that you're always looking at the insignificant? What's not good enough? What's not enough? What you wish you had more of? Or are you looking at your life through another lens of faith? That it may not be much right now. I may not be much right now. I may not have much right now. But if I put it to work and have faith, God can turn this around and do bigger things in my life than I ever imagined. But like this woman, you're just expecting little. Because you have little. And God wanted to do more. And I know what we're thinking because we tend to think that God gives us more when we pray for it. And just ask God for more and he's going to give it to you. And what if God does have more for you? But at the state that you're in, you can't handle it. What if God does have the blessing for you, but your character at the present state will ruin it? What if God does have that future spouse, but your attitude will divorce it? 
What if God does have that future job and promotion, but your character will fire it? See, I believe that God has it for us, but he will not give it to us until he knows we can be trusted with it. And we can handle it. And you say, well, pastor, that's not right because the Bible says believe it and you'll achieve it. Yeah, okay. Luke 16.10. If you're faithful in the what? Little things. That word faithful in the Greek means entrusted. Meaning, if I can trust you, can God trust you? Some of you are like, oh no. Can God trust you? Some people are lying. Some people are shamefully quiet. Someone says, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm out. God says, if I can trust you in the little things. You see what God does? He says, if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the large ones. And you say, well, I want God to do large things in my life. I want God to do big things. But you know what God says? I have big things for you, but I have to give them to you in little installments to see if I can trust you with it. And if I can trust you in the little, I know that I can trust you with much. You want God to do much in your life? How are you handling the little he's done? How are you handling it? Be faithful in the little. Be faithful. See, God puts us in this phase of few because he's trying to test your character and develop you to make you ready for what he has for you. But pastor, I want it now. But God in his love will not give it to you now because he knows you will destroy it. That's why he has you where you're at. Because you're not ready yet. But you will be. So it's in this phase of few. In this time of testing. That God begins to test you. We don't like to be tested by God. But God just wants to know. Can I trust you? And the test that she would go through is the test that God will put you through. And it's the hardest test of all. You guys want to know what it is? Because we can pray and dismiss right now, but you won't be blessed. You guys want it? All right. Verse 9. There's a, something in the context here. It tells Elijah, go to the village near the city of Sidon. I've, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, I want you to, we read that and we're like, okay, cool. But think about this. This widow doesn't have food herself. Very little. Maybe she was praying, maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was asking God, I want more, maybe she, I don't know. But for some reason, we know without a doubt, God revealed himself to this woman and instructed her to feed someone. So this woman... In my opinion, she's outside, she's crying, she's mad, she's frustrated, she's discouraged. She's saying, it's over, I'm going to die, we don't have enough to eat, I lost my husband, I'm a terrible mom, I can't even feed my children. God, I just need some help. God, I just need a blessing. God, I just want to get out of this. And God said to her, I can help you. Really, God? Yes, I want more. I'm going to give you more. But first, I need you to feed this man that's going to come over. So she's challenged to put her needs aside to meet the need of someone else. You see, what a test 
in order for God to know you can handle more. He wants to know, if I would bless you, would you be a blessing? If I would give to you, would you give to others? So he tells her, feed him. Serve him. Give him. Girl, you better bless him. She must have been like, God in here, right? Because I was just telling you I was hungry. I didn't have enough. I have a little. I'm dying here. And you want me to feed someone else with the little I have? God's like, yeah. He ignored it, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Verse 10, it gets crazier. The guy shows up. It's test day. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's test day. There it is, it's test day. You know when test day is. So he went, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering her little pity sticks, that's what I call them, and asked her, here's the test, test day. Would you please bring me a little water in a, in a cup? I love this. Because here she is. She sees a guy coming up closer and closer as she's gathering her sticks. She's saying, I bet you that's him. Oh, my Lord, it's test day. It can't. Be. Oh, he's getting. Oh, he's right behind. Is he behind me? He's behind you. He says, will you bring me water? Would you please bring me a little water? You know, if I were her, I would have said, Whoosh! That was an easy test, man. I thought he was going to ask for more. She didn't complain. She said, ah, no problem. A little water. <laughs> Fine, I got you. I'll go get you your water. And she's probably thinking, this is the easiest test ever. You mean all this time God exaggerated? God, you exaggerated. I thought it was going to be like a lot. It was just a little water. If you would have told me it was just a little water, I would have given him a long time ago. And as she's walking to do the little thing, he says to her in the following verse, as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Oh, oh. Could you bring me a bite too? You see, why wasn't she didn't complain? Look at verse 12. She said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour, da -da -da, jar, little cooking oil, this and that. She's complaining. Now, why wasn't she complaining when he said, just a little water? Because a little water didn't hurt nobody. See, some of you want to be faithful to God until it costs you. Until it hurts. Then you're quick to eject and get out. But see, God can't do big things in your life if you want to give him just a little commitment. She didn't complain when it was a little. She started complaining when it would cost her. And that was the test. She wants... She's looking at God like, wait a minute. I only have a little... I barely have any. And you want me to give it? What a test. Because maybe God is asking you in your deepest time of need to be a blessing instead. Maybe you're asking God to change your life, but he's asking you to change someone else's.
and God is asking of you to give what little you have. Maybe God is asking you to love someone when you have very little love to give. To be patient with someone when you have very little patience to give. And to be kind to someone when you just have a little kindness in you. Why is it that God requires you to give what you have very little of? Because he's testing your faith. Looked back and said, "Uh uh-uh. It's not in me to do that. It's crazy because you're asking God to bless you and change you and change this, but you don't want it to cost you. As a pastor, it's my job and my calling to give even when I'm in need. I wipe off my tears to wipe off yours. I have to put myself aside when you're in crisis. My family puts their needs aside to me and help other families. You see, that's what ministry is. And all of you are called to the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's giving what you do not have yourself to give. But it's not in me to give. God says, yes, it is. You have it. You just don't know it. She says, I don't have bread. But Elijah said, oh, loophole. You have oil. You have flour, you have what it takes to make some bread. In other words, God is letting you know, you may not think you have it, but you do. You just don't want to make it work. It's in you. I don't have love to give. Yeah, you do. Just a little stubborn. I don't have patience. I don't have kindness. Yes, you do. You just got to get to work. It was a test. A test that she failed. She failed it. Everyone seems to preach this wrong. They think, oh, and she fed him and boom. No, no, no. Fails. Verse 12, I'll prove it to you. I swear to the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread. I have only a handful, only some flour left in a jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal, and my son and I will die. You may not see it, but did God not instruct her in verse 9 to feed a man? And who is she feeding in verse 12? She disregarded God's instructions because she didn't see, it didn't seem feasible. It didn't make any sense. God said in verse 9, make some food and feed this man. But in verse 12, she was preparing to make food and feed her and her son. So she got the instructions of God that God was testing her with to bless her. And she said, I'm not doing that. It's me first. My needs, my son, my families. And that's why God can't bless you. Because you only have what you think is important in your mind. It's not about others. It's about you. And I have to do it for me and my needs, my wants, my desire, my happiness. Me, me, me. And she was withholding the blessings of God because in her disobedience, she didn't think it was right to do it God's way and feed someone else. Does it ever make sense to put yourself aside for someone else? Not in our flesh, not in our world, but to Jesus, that's exactly what he did on the cross for you. And in God's eyes, it should be done the same for you and others. Feed him. Be a blessing. And I'll give to you. You see, 
God said to her here, you would just obey me and be faithful with the little you have and serve him. But God, I don't know him. See, we put all these excuses and reasons not to do it God's way. God may be telling you today, you need to be kinder to this person. But God, do you see how they treat me? God may be saying, you need to give to this person. You need to love this person. You need to do it their way. And you're telling God, that doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense when God is testing you. Could you just be a blessing? But it's not in me. Yes, it is. But I live in Miami. I'm supposed to have a hot temper and be angry all the time. It's not in me to be kind. It's not in me to be compassionate. Yes, it is. You have the ingredients. You just have to get in the kitchen. You have to work it. See, Luke 6.38, God says, Give, and you will what? Receive. Now, I know we tend to think this verse has to do with money. It's more than that. God says, in order for you to be on the receiving end, you first have to start on the giving end. You want to receive more love from people, you have to give more love. You want to receive more compassion from people, you have to be and give compassion yourself. You're asking a lot from people, all of you. You just look at people and you expect to receive from them. Give me, give me, give me. But God says it doesn't work that way. I want you, like this widow, I first want you to give and then you will receive. You want more kindness. You want more compassion. You want more love. Start giving it yourself. Don't be a hypocrite and demand from other people what you're not doing yourself. Give and it will be received. Return in full. Press down. Shaking together. Overflowing. Give. You will receive. Give what you have few of. I hear it all the time. Well, Pastor, I don't have enough love to give. After what I've went through, I don't have enough kindness. As children of God, we are to live to give. Give love, kind, give respect. Let me put it all together in a way you can understand. Just be a nice person. You're so mean. Well, you don't know who I work with. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know what they did to me. And be nice. Be grateful. Give. God says, I'll pay you back. So busy, caught up in what you don't have. Like this widow. You're saying, how can he stand there and tell me to love? I haven't been loved. I don't have enough love. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough kindness. I'm stressed. I have a bad job. I have a bad home. I have a bad marriage. So I have to be a bad person. And God says, no, you don't. Give. Be a blessing to a person you don't like. Watch how it changes you, not just them. I know why it's quiet. You don't like this sermon. That's okay. Because you like the messages where I say God wants to give you. But when it's switched and I say, no, God wants you to give to others. It's like, I didn't feel it today. <laughs> give. Come on, just tell your neighbor not. Just give. You have it in you. To give. Notice... She gave, but it hurt. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like what I'm telling you is easy. You're going to go out there 
And you're going to hear the Holy Spirit saying, oh, it's test day. Hey, I want you to pay for that person's meal. Hey, I want you to call that person and apologize. Hey, why don't, why don't you serve them today? Why, why don't you do this for them? And you're going to say, get behind me, Satan. I denounce you. But God just says, give. You'll receive. So before God could bless her and get her out of the phase of few, he was testing her in her giving. Let me close with this illustration for you. So a few days ago, I was um, like, man, what kind of pastor carries a knife with him, man? Don't mess with me. So listen, a few days ago, I was just cutting this apple in the core. I noticed that I could hand count the seeds inside the apple. Five. Five seeds. Five may not seem like a big number. And the Lord impressed on my heart. David, because I was discouraged, I was going through some stuff, and I said, God, I'm tired. I was like the widow, complaining. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, David, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples inside the seed. Because I can hand count these seeds right now and tell you it's five. But I can never tell you how many apples are going to come out of this one seed. I can't tell you. We don't know. So a farmer doesn't have to know the results to plant it. See, some of you say, well, I'll be faithful and I'll be loving and I'll be kind if I knew they were going to give it back to me. You don't know if this person is going to even say thank you. You don't know if they're going to be loyal. You don't know if they're going to be faithful. But it shouldn't stop you from planting the seed. That's what Christianity looks like. I don't need to know the outcome to do what's right. You may leave me. You may walk out. You may talk bad about me. You may be ungrateful. You may not be. You may be loyal, faithful, loving, and say thank you. You may be my best friend. You may be my worst friend. I don't need to know the outcome of my loyalty and my obedience to God. I just have to plant it. What if like this seed? You say, Lord, I don't know the good that's going to come out of it. I don't know what's going to happen. But no matter what, I'm going to be obedient. This was the test of few. She didn't know the outcome. She didn't know exactly how much she was going to get. God just said, do it. And I'll bless you. So maybe right now you're in the season of few little insignificant and God says will you still plan will you still be faithful how crazy if a farmer says God I'm not going to plant this seed until I know how many apples I'm going to get from it then it will never produce anything in faith he has to go and get to work and plant that seed Knowing that the outcome is left to God. Don't stand to pray today. Because there's a seed in you to give. As we dismiss today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm in the phase of few. I have few in my life. I don't have a lot of love to give. I don't have a lot of patience and kindness. The Lord is challenging me to give first to a person I don't like, 
Plant that seed of compassion. Plant that seed of kindness and love in a person and leave the results to God. If you're here this morning, you're saying, God, I've been ungrateful. I haven't been loyal to what's been given to me. Be wherever God has placed you. Be faithful. Get to work. Stop trying to be only on the receiving end. Stop waiting for someone to change for you to love them. Be on the giving end of God. Even when it hurts. Even when it costs you to love them. Even when it costs you to forgive them. Even when it costs you not to have selfishness anymore. Live to give. So that God can return the giving back to you. I know it's hard. I know it's going to cost you. But if you can trust God. Who knows the blessing he can give you. Heavenly Father in Jesus name for every person here today. Who in the season of few. We have few people here today Lord. That have few patience. Few love to give. People who seem like right now you're putting them on a test to give. To serve others above themselves. And Father, this can make us feel like you've forgotten about us. You've ignored us. But we know that in this season of few, there's a test. And it's test day. So as we leave this church service today, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you will give us the grace to live a life to give. Not only to live a life to receive, but that we leave this church service completely renewed with a new focus to be faithful with what we have and get our mind off what we don't have. Help us to be nice people, to be compassionate and loving even when others don't deserve it. Father, we want your blessings. We want your overflow of blessing, but we know that we have to be faithful with the little. So help us to see the importance of the little things in our lives and the little things we do for others that cost us to do big things in return. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Miss to give. In Jesus' name. See you all next Sunday.